What's up, ladies and gentlemen? The Podfather Nate here from the Journey into Comics podcast, the flagship show of the Journey into Comics network. I just want to make sure you guys know you can tune in every single Monday for a brand new episode of our show, where if it's comic book related, we've got you covered. What on earth is that? It's a Journey into Comics network production! The following podcast, scheduled for one fall, is for the Journey Into Wrestling Podcast Tag Team Championship. Cero miedo! Because the Warhorse will fight until he breathes his last breath. I got the whole damn world in my hands. Your arms are just too short to box with God. You just made the list! But the man is back. Daddy's home. Ricky ain't about just taking titles. I'm about taking this up to another level that you've never seen before. I'm a wildfire burning across the countryside. I am Napalm Death. Welcome to Villain Enterprise! No more questions, not that damn house. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of Journey into Wrestling. You may notice I am not your wonderful host, Nate. We've got a bit of a swerve tonight. I will be hosting the show tonight, and you know me as Buckles, your friendly neighborhood, Buckles. Um, yeah, full disclosure, uh, we have had a bit of an interesting week here. Um, we usually record the show the Tuesday night before the show drops on Wednesdays. Well, if you live in this section of Indiana... Uh, or in the northwest section of Indiana, you know that Mother Nature has not exactly been the most kind to us as the uh, as of late. And uh, Nate has had some issues with thunderstorms, uh, knocking out his internet and knocking out some of his power. Um, thankfully, no damage over uh, Tuesday night and Wednesday night. So we kind of put it off, kind of put it off. We were going to record the show tonight, and Nate's had some personal things come up that he has to take care of. So he has left the show in my... Uh, we'll say not so capable hands, but uh, I'm going to try to steer us, uh, steer the ship well tonight and uh, get you the Journey into Wrestling content that you guys have been craving for the last couple of weeks. Uh, this is Journey into Wrestling Season 4, Episode 19. Uh, tonight we're going to go over a few things. I'm going to hit on a couple of uh, headlines from Raw, SmackDown, AEW, and NXT. Um we are going to go over a couple of the news headlines coming across from all of that and do a little bit of a rundown from the most recent takeover in your house this past Saturday night. And uh, while I have the show to myself, I'm actually going to go over something I've been wanting to do for a while uh, and talk about something that is no longer on the air that I finally found a way, for those of you who haven't seen, to get a chance to get some eyes on. So uh, there will not be a uh, top ten tonight, and uh, there won't be a someone to watch, but there will be a something to watch. Uh, a little bit of a suggestion for everybody. So let's go ahead and dive on into it. Um, 
it has been an interesting couple of weeks uh, in WWE. Interesting in the sense that it's kind of dull, kind of boring, and kind of hard to watch considering what's going on in the real world. Um, you know, Nate and I have talked about over the last couple of months, really, that professional wrestling has been an interesting, um, an interesting position, so to speak, uh, with the COVID-19 pandemic and what they've had to deal with and the way they've kind of updated things through having no audience, through having some audience, but distance to now having what appears to be uh, hockey barriers around the ring. They have barriers surrounding the barriers for some reason. Um, and really, wrestling has been kind of a... It's been one of the only things still airing sports-wise over the last few months. It's one of the, kind of an outlet for those of us who've been fans who just want to get away from all the uh, crap of the real world. Um and for the most part, I would say through COVID, it's done a decent job. You know, it's it's been a few yucks here, a few laughs here, some decent matches. Um, WrestleMania was an interesting thing in its own right. But now we've moved on. Pandemic's still here, but we've got the social unrest that's followed it. Um, we have protesting. We have the Black Lives Matter movement, which has even gotten into an extent into wrestling. Um and in the last week or so, wrestling has been there, but it's 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 hard to pay attention to right now. Um, I know last night alone, NXT and AEW both dropped like a stone in the ratings, and it's kind of telling that right now there's there just seem to be more important things at hand than uh, not just than wrestling, but than having a distraction. This is. I guess during COVID, you could say that it was a good time to be distracted. You wanted something to distract you. You wanted something to take, you know, take some time away from you and to, to just veg out and not think about things. Right now, we're seeing where people are, I guess, mobilizing might be the better word, but it's not a time to distract. It's not a time to think about other things in terms of having something to take your mind off of. Right now, it's time to actually think about things right now we don't need a distraction we are too interested in actually pointing out what's going on in the world around us and uh being a part of the world around us uh, and for some of us um and i don't know that it's really affected the writing of shows but it's been at least in my in my in my view harder to watch um I've, I honestly, I watch every bit of programming that I can. I watch NXT, I watch Raw and SmackDown, I watch AEW every week. But it's harder to watch when you're constantly watching Facebook to see what the latest news is, uh, to see what your friends are doing, where people are at, what's going on in the world around you. And you can't really tear yourself away from it. So wrestling has been interesting in that it's not been as much of a distraction of late. And... Well, not to put too fine a point on it, but it's even harder when Raw and SmackDown are completely dull to begin with. But all that's to say that really over the last couple of weeks, I've got some headlines from Raw and SmackDown, but they're pretty scant, pretty few and far between, because not much is really going on, and there's not much reason to care. Even if you're a wrestling fan, there's not really being much reason presented that we should be interested in such things. Um... But we are going to go through some headlines, see what's going on in the worlds of Raw and SmackDown. Um, on Raw specifically, 
The two biggest headlines right now, I would say, are probably Seth Rollins, who has been one of the few really good points of this whole uh, COVID and now this whole empty arena, let's call it, era. Um, I've talked about it before. His heel character, uh, this Monday Night Messiah character, has been a revelation. It's really the best that Seth's ever been uh, in terms of character. Um, And he just keeps adding on to it and adding on to it. Uh, And now... Um, we have him having recruited both Murphy and now Austin Theory to, uh, I guess we'll call it his church or his uh, his doctrine, maybe. Um, he is not just talking about the greater good and wanting to present Raw and SmackDown as the way forward, but he has gone full-blown, not just accepting the Monday Night Messiah as a nickname, but Messiah Complex. The man has gotten church music. He is giving sermons. Uh, sacrifices. He is buying into the character hook, line, and sinker, and it's wonderful. Seth is eminently hateable. He's a complete slime ball in a dirt bag, and everything you want to hate in a heel, and pulling it off very well. And it's cool to see that both Murphy and Theory have been given a chance to shine. Uh, I'd like to see a little more character out of the two of them, uh, specifically Murphy, since he's been around a little bit longer. But both getting a chance to shine in the ring. Uh, I love the continuity of uh, recruiting Austin Theory after Zelina Vega kicked him out of or kicked him out of their little crew, uh, much in the same way that uh, Rollins recruited Murphy. It's a great bit of continuity. It's a great bit of storytelling. Um, there's a bit of irony in, I guess it's probably designed irony in Seth feuding with Alistair Black, the um, known anti-religious person or Satanist, depending on how you want to look at him. Um, so there is a little bit of, uh, creative irony there, which I kind of enjoy. Um, also you have another big feud in, uh, Drew McIntyre versus Lashley with Lashley being the most interesting that he's been presented in, well, I guess ever, if you want to call it that, um, Lashley's kind of floated ever since coming back to WWE personally because he has the personality of what cardboard in my opinion but um you know he floated around he had the horrible sammy zane lashley sisters bit he went into the even more horrible uh love triangle with uh with rusev and with lana that just drug on and drug on and drug on um and now uh they've paired him up with mvp who is I'm not going to say a revelation as a talker. He's always been good on the mic, but MVP is a fantastic manager. Uh, plays really well with Lashley and just lets him be the monster that he needs to be. Um, does all the talking for him. It does all the talking well um, and actually hasn't presented as a viable threat. Not only a viable threat, but a viable threat that's using, and I, I it's 2020 and I'm saying this out loud, he's using the full Nelson as a finisher. Reliably and believably so. We've brought back the freaking Master Lock. And it works. It really, honest to God, works for Lashley. Um, They're kind of still having Lana in the picture as a possible antagonist, but they're using her in in the best way, which is not letting her talk that much and not dominating the screen as much. They're kind of keeping her off to the side and using her in bits and pieces, which has been really nice. Um, but uh, he has Lashley built up as a great threat, as a serious threat, uh, and they're playing off of a Drew McIntyre that is 
really coming into his own as the guy in on Raw, uh, who's holding his own on the mic and in matches. Uh, I have to think that with a crowd there, he would probably be as over as possible, or as over as he should be. Um, he seems to be doing well with the online audience and seems to be doing well review-wise. Hard to say if he's over without having somebody to actually cheer him that's not, you know, Vince instructing people in the crowd to cheer one way or the other. But he's doing really well as the champion, as a fighting champion. Um, And it's a really nice thing to see a face who wants to fight and isn't taken as an underdog of sorts. Um, He's a fighting champion and can back it up on the mic without making his opponents look like idiots. Uh, Which is seemingly a rare thing in WWE anymore. Usually the heel comes off looking like either a monster, a coward, or an idiot. One of the three. Um, And right now they're doing a decent job of making Lashley look a monster, but without making him, you know, Raw smash Braun Strowman. It's a nice little dichotomy, and it's pairing off really well. Uh, Beyond that, we have Apollo Crews finally winning his first uh, WWE belt. Uh, Speaking of personalities like what cardboard, I like Crews. He's got all the athletic ability in the world, but he is a blank page when it comes to having a personality. And even now, with the belt, he's still really not showing a whole lot of charisma. He's having great matches. He's having very good matches with Andrade and with uh, with Kevin Owens, and and enjoyably so. It's just hard. It's you're cheering for him because he's a he's a hero, babyface. He is somebody you want to see win a belt just because hey, he hasn't won a belt yet, and hey, we're getting somebody a chance, somebody who hasn't had a chance before. That said, his personality is not exactly shining through, and he's not really doing much to dispel the image of him not having any sort of real charisma. Um, hopefully we see a little bit more of that. It's nice to see him win the big one for a change. Uh, it's nice to see somebody new in the title picture for a change. Uh, good for him and happy for him. Hopefully this leads to bigger things for him. But they've got to get him some sort of character. They really do. Um, moving on into the tag team division, if you want to call it a tag team division anymore, because really, other than Seth's two lackeys, there doesn't seem to be any tag teams on Raw other than the two feuding for the belts, which would be the Street Profits and the Viking Raiders. I legitimately don't know if there are other tag teams on Raw. I can't think of any off the top of my head. That's not a good thing. I guess you could call Ricochet and... Uh, oh, who the hell do they even have in pairing with? Cedric Alexander as a as a tag team, but they team they haven't been seen on Raw in two, three weeks yet that I know of. So... Uh, Right now, we have a two-team division. We have the Viking Raiders and Street Profits, which are great on paper. They should have great wrestling matches, right? Except we're not getting wrestling matches out of them. We're getting golf, and we're getting axe-throwing contests, and bowling, and, God help me, a decathlon that involved a dance-off, and a turkey-leg-eating contest, and we're all over the map here, folks. Um... They've been kind of funny in a, like, kind of cringy sort of way. But, I mean, I give them points for creativity and trying something, but, God, it's been four weeks now. 
all it's over four weeks that they've been feuding in a sense. We I guess we went from basketball to golf or basketball to axe throwing to golf to this uh, decathlon. I'm probably missing something in or bowling. I think was first, and then the decathlon. So we're going into four and five weeks of this now, and you just want to say have a freaking match because I'm done with this feud. Like I get that Ivar is a fat guy. We're gonna we're gonna keep playing that joke up. I get that Dawkins and 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 Montez Ford are cool as the other side of the pillow. I get it. I, you don't you have to keep beating us over the head with it. We we understand that this is a running gag that's well long run its course, but we have no end in sight yet either. Um, the dis, decathlon that was supposed to end the whole thing uh, it was a five on five tie. So we're you know, we're into the abyss, and the abyss is staring back at us, and we're going to get at least one more week of some form of the Viking Raiders and uh, the Street Profits in what appears to be nothing. Um, hopefully leading to a match at some point, and hopefully introducing additional tag teams, maybe. I don't know. Who knows? You know, you, you think that Vince McMahon doesn't care about tag team wrestling. Well, obviously not at this point. It is patently obvious across both brands, really. Um, I actually had to remind myself of who the tag team champions on SmackDown were. It's the New Day in their sixth or seventh tag team title reign. I I don't know who else is in the division there either. I guess uh, Forgotten Sons, more on them maybe later. Um, the Usos, no, can't count the Usos, one's out. Uh, Lucha House Party? Miz and Morrison? Well, they're in singles feud, so yeah, we're, we're down to maybe three three, maybe four viable teams in the tag team division across all of WWE. And it's ugly. It's damn ugly. It's a shame. Um, in the women's division on Raw, we have Asuka feuding with Nia Jax, even though we are getting Bailey and uh, Sasha and the Iconics feuding for a cup of coffee for a minute and a half. We have... Uh, I guess I, I don't. I, this should tell you how much of a mess it is. I'm sitting here having to think of what's going on because it's so out of whack. Um, you had Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss as the women's tag champions, and then getting challenged by a returning Iconics who both lost and then had a split up tease, and then somehow got into another tag title match coming up, and then. Uh, lost or Nikki and, and Alexa lose the belts to um, Sasha and Bailey because there's no one left to challenge uh, Bailey other than Sasha for the women's title on SmackDown. So they have to put them in the tag team scene because we have nothing better to do for anybody. Um, but the ostensible feud for the women's title on Raw is Nia Jax and Asuka, which I mean, I'm glad there's a feud. I, I'm kind of overseeing Nia Jax do anything, and she just got back. That's how bad it's gotten there. Um, in the month, month and a half that Nia's been back uh, since returning from double knee surgery, the only real productive thing she's done is nearly injure Kyrie Sane twice. But for some reason, we're rewarding her with a title feud um, with Asuka, who is absolutely deserving of the title, but was kind of gifted it in the weirdest way possible. So, yeah, we have, uh, yeah, it, it's kind of a mess. 
Um, and that's raw. And that's the sad thing. It's kind of a mess. And then you get over to SmackDown, which is a full mess. Because you have all the tag team issues I just mentioned. You have the women's uh, issues that I mentioned with, you know, no one really being there to challenge Bailey, other than Sasha, who they refuse to turn at this point. They're teasing it, but they refuse to turn now. Um, technically, you have a feud between uh, Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose that is kind of still going on. It started, it, we had what seemed to be a breakup of the feud when Sonya started having a little mini thing with Lacey Evans, but that was again interfered with by Mandy, so maybe we're getting a triple threat. Who knows? Honestly, who knows? Um, and the sad thing is, the sad thing is, I keep saying that who knows in the women's division, as bad as the women's division is on Raw, as bad as the division is on SmackDown, the only thing that we're being told is that Charlotte is more important than everybody else. Um, let me digress just a little bit. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here. With the women's division, I've already kind of outlined the tag team issues, the women's tag belts, but on Raw and SmackDown, the only women that we've seen of late have either been involved with the tag feud or the women's title feud. So on Raw, you've only seen really the Iconics and Bliss and Cross, and then you've seen Asuka and Nia Jax with, you know, a few sprinklings in of Kyrie Sane between possible injuries. Um, on SmackDown, we've had Bailey. Uh, beating Tamina in her title feud, and then Tamina going away to not be seen again, I guess, for the future. Um, and moving on to really not much at all. She moves on to the tag team scene because apparently they don't have anybody else to challenge her. We got a uh, champion versus then NXT champion match with her and Charlotte. Um, but what we've gotten the most of is Charlotte on Raw, Charlotte on NXT, Charlotte on SmackDown. She had essentially two matches this past week on Raw, first in a tag match with Asuka, and then in a singles match against Asuka. Um, we've seen her have matches with Bayley on SmackDown in her, I guess, shifting from one brand to the other. Uh, she's been a staple on on NXT with the belt for the last couple of weeks. Really, she's had almost 45 minutes to an hour on, or I shouldn't say 45 minutes to an hour, but at least 20 minutes to 30 minutes on every show for the last two to three weeks. Um, to the point where oversaturation is an understatement. Meanwhile... We have, on Raw, we haven't seen Bianca Belair since her debut, really. Um, Kyrie's obviously not doing much other than being a pawn. Um, Shayna Baszler, who had lightning in a bottle with a couple of nice comments after Becky Lynch's pregnancy announcement, has been nowhere to be seen. Natalia, nowhere to be seen. Got a little bit of character development when she threw a fit or threw a, a tantrum and then disappeared. Uh, you have Liv Morgan and Ruby Riot. Liv, who was supposed to be getting, I guess, some sort of a push, 
they were giving your vignettes and everything a couple nice little wins, and then now nothing. Uh, over on SmackDown, we haven't seen Carmella or Naomi, to my knowledge, since uh, since Money in the Bank. Uh, if you want to call it a loss, even though we haven't seen Dana Brooke, if you want to call that a problem. So, I mean, you have women on these divisions that could use camera time. Let's get a push for a Ruby Riot, or let's actually follow through on Liv Morgan, or hell, let's show Bianca Belair on screen at all. You called up Shayna Baszler and had her almost win a Royal Rumble and then destroy a uh, elimination, elimination Chamber match to we have nothing for you. So, I mean, let's count off. That's one, two, three, four, five, six women that could have any sort of screen time, but no, we're getting all Charlotte all the time. You know, I'm, I'm glad that that uh, they want to push women or that they want to show the evolution or everything, but it's become the Charlotte show. It's been become Charlotte, Charlotte Uberalis in a way. It doesn't matter who's got the belts. It doesn't matter what show you're on. Charlotte's going to be there to remind you that she's better. And Vince is going to be there to remind you that she's better than everybody else. Hell, even when she loses the title at NXT, she doesn't get pinned because we can't have her look bad. It's just, it's oversaturation to the nth degree. It's almost verging on Roman Reigns over pushing. Um, and really, that's the the only really thing tying in with WWE through all three shows over the last couple of months, or the last month, is that it's Charlotte Uber Ellis. Um, also, over on SmackDown, just kind of touching on some of the other things, we do have the Intercontinental title match uh, set for Backlash. Um between Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles. Uh, Drew Gulak is back in the fold, which is kind of nice. I'm happy to see that. He's re-signed a contract. Um, I really don't even want to talk about Jeff Hardy and Sheamus because of how poor taste that was. Uh, For those of you who missed it, um, they ran an angle where someone hit Elias with a car, and then they found alcohol bottles and... All kind of and drug paraphernalia ostensibly in the car that was registered to Jeff Hardy, and then find Jeff Hardy somewhat blacked out or inebriated or out of his mind in a bush somewhere, take him off for questioning, and then showing back up later in the night to attack Seamus, and later on saying that Seamus is the one that apparently hit him. Very WWE of him to just have Seamus. Well, you hit me, ah. Uh. I, I don't even want to address how poor taste it is to do a drunk driving angle with someone who has multiple real-life instances of drunk driving. Like, and, and you can say that Jeff signed off on it, so obviously he's okay with it. That's fine. I, I don't care. I'm not, it's not that I'm upset about or I'm not even upset. It's not that it's in poor taste that Jeff, towards Jeff, it's not it's in poor taste to the man who's, you know, had his issues. It's in poor taste to anybody who's dealt with drunk driving. You know, I don't want to, I, I, it's in poor taste to, to deify a redemption story from someone who has a history of alcohol abuse. Like, I get, I get a redemption story. I get it. But 
let's not act like this is something he's gotten better from and miraculously become a saint and uh, thing better on this. His most recent issue was less than a year ago. Repeat offender. Like, I, and I got nothing against Jeff Hardy. I'm not saying that he can't change it. I'm not saying that he's not a good person at all. But let's try not to make a hero out of somebody who is drinking and driving or has been caught drinking and driving. Let's not make a light of it. You know, let's not make... Let's not make a tacky-ass angle out of something that people have actually lost people to. You know, let's not make a... Uh, I did it for the rock. You know, car crash angle out of something that people have actually, you know, lost family members. Maybe. Like, it's tacky on its face just to involve Jeff in it at all. But to use something that has actually really killed people in an angle is just in terrible taste in my opinion um, but it's WWE Carney's going to be Carney they're going to continue doing shit like this they did a Katie Vick angle and never really apologized for it so um, we also have uh, Braun fighting uh, Miz and Morrison for the universal title in a handicap match because reasons. Um, Bray has been nowhere to be found since uh, Money in the Bank. And I mean, on the realistic side, he just had a kid, so understandably that he's not around, but they've given no reason for any of his absence whatsoever. They've not given any mention of Bray Wyatt whatsoever. Um, And the angle with Miz and Morrison is just dumb. It's just flat out dumb on its face. It's the two of them acting like kids. Uh, they dropped slime on Caleb Braxton. Like it's double there in 95. It's just so freaking dumb. Like uh, for all the good that WWE has done with guys like Lashley and guys like Drew McIntyre and Seth's great character and having the best wrestlers in the world like Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles, they've gone so far down the road of making their weekly shows, the main roster shows at least, just an absolute chore to watch at times. Like, it really, it's really almost to the point where I don't want to watch the show anymore. And I love wrestling. I enjoy the, watching the people that are on the shows. I like watching AJ Styles wrestle. I like watching Daniel Bryan. But, you really couldn't pay me to give a damn about SmackDown right now. It's boring. It's dumb. It's tacky at its best. I don't care about Charlotte. Flat out. I am. I was interested in matches. I'm happy to see that she's having great matches. And we'll get to one here later. Um, but it's one thing to put the belt on her and hope she goes over to NXT and draws ratings. It's another thing entirely to have her on every freaking show at all times. Even when she's not on screen at all times, it feels like she's on screen at all times. They say fall and pray to Karrion Cross. They want you to fall and pray at the altar of Charlotte because Charlotte Flair Uberalis. Um, the other big headline, and I hesitate to even call attention to it, um, and I really I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on it because I don't feel like getting too much angrier than I already am at it. But uh, I mentioned the tag team scene on SmackDown not having a whole lot of teams. Well, 
they were going to push uh, Forgotten Sons, but then uh, Jackson Riker decided that he needed to uh, tweet some uh, disconcerting things, let's say, uh, in fa- basically pro-Trump things on uh, put up on Twitter, um, and tried to spin it into kayfabe. And uh, I'm not going to read the tweet here. It doesn't deserve any more press than it's already gotten, honestly. But suffice it to say that when both of your tag team partners go out of their way to distance themselves from you on social media, it's probably not a good look for you or for your future with that company. And that's exactly what happened is both uh, Steve Cutler and Wesley Blake both kind of said, you know, he doesn't speak for me and that's not what I believe. So... I'm willing to bet that, uh, I don't know if it's going to be the last we've seen of Jackson Riker on WWE programming, um, considering they may just use him as a body here and there, but I'm fairly sure that, uh, at least for the foreseeable future, um, don't expect to see any kind of push involving anything associated with him. I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, in the future... Um, to see both the other Forgotten Sons turning on him, and then he just disappears off the face of the earth or to main event, whichever's further away. Um, or we just don't see all three of them all together, which would be kind of a shame for Cutler and Blake. But um, that's really your headlines for WWE. Um, for main roster, at least. I do want to touch on briefly the quote-unquote greatest wrestling match ever, which, again, it it's it's almost silly. I mean, it, not even almost. It is silly. Even Edge and Edge and Orton have gone on the record as saying that it's kind of hyperbole and and grandstanding. It's just flat out dumb <laughs> to say that you know we've had match after match after match, and these you know we've had some great matches in the world and great matches in. World Wrestling Entertainment and WWF and WCW and all the past and all the things in the world right now, but this is going to be the greatest wrestling match ever. When it's a revelation to just hear the word wrestling on WWE programming at all. doesn't really bode well for what you're going to see. Um, and the sad thing is that there's no chance. There's zero chance. There's there's not even .10 chance of them living up to the hype. You know going in that it's not going to be the greatest wrestling match ever because that's it's just dumb to say flat out. And to be completely honest, I don't know that it's in WWE's programming or WWE's booking to even produce the greatest wrestling match in history at this point. You know, this is World Wrestling Entertainment still. They're sports entertainment. They're not wrestling. And I, I'm not going to say you don't see great wrestling matches in WWE programming. You don't. You do. I mean, we've seen a couple this week. However, I, I, I there's no real way for me to say it other than there's no chance. There's no way. There's zero way that Randy Orton... Mr. Phone it in himself, an edge who God love him is a great wrestler, but is on his uh, fourth, fifth, sixth leg. <laughs> At this point, he's, this is his farewell tour. 
this isn't going to be the greatest match ever, folks. I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, go on and keep putting your uh, Greatest Showman soundtrack in the background of that, Vince, and hope people believe it because no one believes it. Um, moving on to NXT, which is far sunnier, uh, pretty much just by default. Um, we did just finish the takeover in your house, which I got to say, I hope they continue on with it. I want to see them do a takeover in your house every year now, um, because that presentation was so much fun. They actually rolled out the old set. They actually rolled out the old commentating. The, uh, I, why can't I think of his name all of a sudden? The, uh, talking head that used to come out before all the, uh, in your house events and shill the pay-per-view and shill the 1-800 number uh, and the ice cream bars and the like, they actually brought him back. They made jokes. He made jokes at his own expense of being old and being out of touch and the 900 numbers not being a thing anymore. Uh, we had commercials for their new ice cream sandwiches. Uh, we had an Adam Cole Ico Pro commercial, which was fantastic. You know, there's... They they know their audience well enough. NXT knows its audience well enough to know that they're the old school fans that did watch the In Your House shows and sparked that nostalgia a bit. And uh, Triple H being the historian of wrestling that he is, or the historic or the historian rather of WWE as he is, knows that damn well. Uh, so he they scratch that itch very well. Um, the set was really fun. I liked watching them come out of the uh, out of the garage and. God bless Johnny Gargano for having the video intro to him walking out of the door, the front door, and then even better, trying to get back in the front door during the match and using updating the look with the the ring, the uh, the video uh, video doorbell uh, spot with Keith Lee, all top notch stuff. That was great use of the uh, set and environment. So fun, hell. They finally topped it all off with Io Shirai jumping off the house. Perfect. Chef's kiss. Wonderful. So I really hope they continue on. Do another takeover in your house next year. That was fun as hell. Do that again, please. Um, moving on to the matches themselves. Uh, we started off with a women's six-man, or six-woman, I should say, that wasn't really much. You know, it, the only real thing was... Um, Candice and Mia Yim fighting to the back, into the garage and into the back, disappearing and then later reappearing during the Gargano match. So not a whole lot of takeaway there. Pretty standard pot boiler stuff. Could have been on an episode of NXT without really any consequence. Um, we moved on to uh, uh, Damian Priest and Finn Balor, which honestly, I'm... I'm going to go out on a limb and say I'm not really big fans of either of them. Not surprising to say for Priest, kind of surprising, uh, kind of unique, and a lot of not a lot of people don't like Finn Balor. I'm not going to say I dislike the guy. I'm just not a big fan. He doesn't really do much for me. Great wrestler, does everything technically right, great look, can talk. I just, for some reason, I've just never really connected with him other than the demon thing, the the cool entrances. I'm not a big fan of the double stomp finisher. Um, his moveset just doesn't do much for me. I, 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 I'm not saying that he's bad by any stretch. I'm just not the biggest fan. Uh, Priest is another guy that I feel like I should like more than I do. Uh, great look, 
can talk to an extent. He's got a great voice and uh, can cut a decent promo. Uh, cool moveset. Um, cool look. Uh, I struggle with his gimmick a little bit because it seems so try-hard and so edgelord. Like, so edgy that he's just trying way too hard to be super cool hot topic guy. But this is the first time that I've really enjoyed a match of his. And first time in a while that I've really enjoyed a Balor match. Uh, the two of them brought it. They beat the hell out of each other. Uh, stiff. Uh, some cool spots. Um, just to touch on it at the very end, I got to give a lot of credit to uh, Priest for taking the uh, bump off the apron onto the steel steps, which sounded horrible and looked worse. So, respect for taking that bump. But it was a good match. Uh, definitely worth a takeover, which is not something I would have said beforehand. I'm uh, kind of interested to see where both of them go. I haven't gotten to watch last night's NXT, but um, from what I've read, it looks like uh, we're going to get Finn Balor challenging Keith Lee. Um, I don't know for sure where we're going with Priest. It looks like we might get a Damian Priest um, Cameron Grimes match in the future, which, eh, we'll see. Um, but yeah, a fun match and uh, worth the chance to check out if you get a chance to. Um, from there, we went to the North American title match of uh, Johnny Gargano challenging Keith Lee. Uh, not as, I'm not going to say not as good as I'd hoped, really. Um, Gargano is playing a very, very good shithead heel, which I love. Uh, great character work. Um, I mentioned the uh, doorbell spot, which was kind of the moment. Of the, well, I shouldn't say the moment of the, of the uh, match, uh, because you did have Keith Lee pouncing uh, Gargano through the barrier, not just through the ringside barrier, but the Lexan shielded barrier. Which, as a quick aside, let's uh, let's look at the logic here of WWE touting how great its social distancing is by having these shields up and pe- keeping people separate from everybody else and how, you know, they deserve a pat on the back for what they're doing to stay safe and then responding by throwing Gargano through the barrier and into the crowd and then fighting into the crowd. So thereby negating all social distancing and negating the barrier itself. So a little bit of a logic fail there, but damn cool spot. That's what you expect out of Lee anymore is holy shit moments and great spots. Um, I did get a good laugh at uh, Gargano using the key that he had, you know, stuffed in his trunks at the beginning of the match to try to gouge the eye of Keith Lee. Uh, I believe I actually tweeted out something along the lines of, not the sweaty dick key. (laughs) But uh, fun moment. Um, Kind of surprised to see uh, Gargano not take away take the win there, um, mostly because I thought Keith Lee was moving on to bigger and better things. I kind of foresaw him as losing and going on to the main title picture, but uh, apparently we're not going that route just yet. Uh, but fun match. Uh, do want to give uh, Lee a shout out for the Black Lives Matter gear. Uh, I love that they actually acknowledged it. I love that he was uh, not only able to but allowed to. Um, really showcase that in a public thing and showcase it very prominently was really cool to see. Um, 
Also, shout out to Mia Yim for coming back out in her little bit with the match, uh, having fought into the back and somehow changed clothes. She and Candice came back out to the ring, still fighting. And uh, Mia was wearing a shirt that had the names of the Central Park Five, which was a nice touch as well. Um, so good to see that they were able to show their support, and that's a, a very cool thing to see. Um, moving on from there, we had uh, Karrion Cross over Tommaso Ciampa, which two big takeaways from it being one, Cross didn't outright squash Ciampa. Ciampa got a little bit of offense in, but pretty convincing, dominant short win. Uh, it's a squash and all, but really, but name. Um, kind of remarkable in that right to see uh, Champa losing that convincingly. Kind of interested to see where he goes from here. Um, another big takeaway, sadly, for me, I love the Carrying Cross entrance, and this is the first time that we've had that entrance with an audience, and the audience absolutely fucked it up. <laughs> um, as a drummer, as someone who listens to rhythm a lot, the cadence for their trying... I. You know, props to you for trying to get the Fallen Prey chant over, but when you're not in time with the music and you're not in time with the chant itself that's being played on the music, not a good look. <laughs> when you're chanting Fallen Prey at a significantly higher tempo than what is being played back to you that you can still hear in the background, it sounds off and it makes you sound really, really cheesy. So I think that'll come off better when they actually have a live crowd and the real crowd actually chants in time. Should be a real cool moment. Uh, but in this case, the first chance of hearing it with an audience and the audience. Now, granted, this is also the same audience that apparently they tape backlash right beforehand anyway, or same day. But uh, worn out uh, NXT audience did not do well. Um, but fun match. I'm a big fan of Cross. I'm looking forward to seeing where he goes. Uh, he did apparently come out and challenge or send a message to Adam Cole, so maybe we're getting him shot straight to the title picture soon. I'm for it. Um, speaking of Cole, we moved from that to the backlot brawl, which was really in this era of um, in this era of pre-tape matches and cinematic matches is the first major miss that we've seen for all the goodwill that they built up with. Um, and not even just to count WWE, but all the goodwill that these cinematic matches have built up through the Boneyard and through the Firefly Funhouse and then Money in the Bank and the uh, the Stadium Stampede match. The Backlot Brawl should have been in with that, but ended up being a massive misstep. Um, if you haven't seen it, it's uh, Velveteen Dream and Adam Cole uh, fighting in, I guess, an undisclosed parking lot in a ring surrounded by a ring of cars all with their headlights on and that's I guess how they decided to light the match was via headlights which if you're there in person cool looks great on camera not so much you get a lot of uh, blinding shots of the lights right into the camera lens um, you can, and the camera plays a terrible part in it as well way too much herky jerky cutting and, and jumping around I'm not a fan of Kevin Dunn, and I don't know if Kevin Dunn had anything to do with this one. I, I kind of hope so because it's easier to blame him than anything else. But whoever was in charge of the camera and the editing, no, just flat out no. It was a mess. Hard to see things, hard to follow things. The match suffered because of it. 
the story suffered because of it. Um, you did have the very predictable uh, Undisputed Era interfering and the equally predictable, I think I even tweeted out, uh, cue the uh, Dexter Loomis appearance in 3-2, here he comes out from under the ring and uh, kidnaps Cole and Fish. Um, you know, Cole wins via low blow and doesn't really seem to care that his tag team partners or his stable mates have been kidnapped. Um, and uh, I, I will say good good on Cole for taking the bump onto the uh, car windshield, which actually looked fairly convincing and looked like he did have shards of glass in his arm. Uh, so props to taking that bump. But, uh, yeah, really the back lot brawl on paper probably sounded really good or really looked pretty good, but not in practice at all. Um, the shines kind of come off Velveteen Dream at the moment, not just because of the outside the ring stuff, but his character's just been not really doing much of note. Like, he's he's challenging for the title, but it's kind of lost a little bit of the interesting factor to it. He's not really been as cool to watch on screen lately. And it's hard to out-cool Cole. Even if you're not a fan of him, the guy is the stereotypical cool heel. Um, it's also problematic that the Dexter Loomis interruption kind of overshadowed the entire thing. I'd also like to wonder, I, as cool as uh, Velveteen coming out in the uh, Negan cosplay, cool enough, I just don't really get it. Like, that didn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense to me, but I'm not... Uh, watcher of the show so uh, maybe there was something there I missed um, I do think it's a missed opportunity to have him come out in a Lamborghini and not come out in a little uh, little red Corvette but that's just me um, and I, I think honestly it's not so much this match was just bad I think the editing really killed it so I think when you're going one out of five bad matches out of all the cinematic stuff you're bound to have a bad one here and there you know, chalk it up as a miss and move on. Um, we did finish up the show with the women's triple threat, the Io Shirai-Charlotte-Rhea Ripley match, which was a banger. Uh, and really no surprise given the people in it. You know, I harped on Charlotte being over everything else, but when she's put in a match, she does well. Shitty moonsaults aside. Um, I do want to point out uh, a couple points in time where... Io Shirai came to have a wrestling match. Charlotte and Rhea came to have a fight. Like, there was points in that match where Charlotte and Rhea almost looked like they were shoot fighting. And I don't say that in, like, trying to break kayfabe or anything like that, but they're throwing just wild haymakers and literally just trying to punch the shit out of each other and just throwing people around. It looked like a legitimate fight and looked like a bar fight almost at times. So more of that. That was kind of cool. I'd like to see the two of them have another match and not really worry about wrestling. Just let the two of them fight it out. Hell, uh, something I didn't touch on from NXT from a couple weeks ago, the uh, fight pit match with uh, Riddle and uh, Riddle and uh, Timothy Thatcher. Put the two of them in that. Put Ripley and Charlotte in the fight pit and let them go just beat the shit out of each other. I'm there for it. I'll watch that. Two big women just beating the snot out of each other? Sure, why not? I believe it at this point. Um, but this match ended up being really good. Um, hats off to Shirai for finally winning a WWE title. She's deserved it for a lot longer. Realistically, you can say Io Shirai is probably, if not definitely, 
one of the best wrestling women on the planet, if not number one flat out. There's a couple I would put up there with her, but she is definitely in that top three. Definitely. Um, and even then, it's a short list of who you would else put in there. Um, so shout out to her for awesome win. Um, I like that they had the nice touch of the streamers and everything. That is a New Japan stardom style victory celebration. Good honor for that. Really happy to see that. Looks, let's look and see where she goes from here. Um, I kind of get the sense we're going to get another EO Charlotte singles match because Charlotte wasn't pinned. Um, just to put a bow on that. If Charlotte's going to stick around in NXT, which maybe, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing at this point. Good to see some fresh matches, but I'm just so overseeing Charlotte at this point. I don't know if I really care. Um, but really, a good match, worthwhile, definitely worthy of a women's of a of a takeover main event. Kind of a trip out to know that it's the first women's takeover main event since I believe Unstoppable, uh, which I it's either Unstoppable or Respect. I think it was Respect that was uh, the uh, Bailey Sasha Iron Man match or Iron Woman match. Um, kind of strange to see that as highly touted as the NXT women have been that they haven't had a main event since then. It's kind of odd to think about, but cool to see it uh, this weekend, and I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing more. I uh, also want to give a quick shout-out to Rhea Ripley for taking uh, what may have been the bump of the night on the final moonsault from EO. Uh, Rhea was in the uh, figure eight at the time and took the bump from... Io Shirai on the moonsault, and for some reason, known only to her and to God, decided to sit up at the last second and seemed for all the world like she took both of Io's knees right to the fucking forehead. Um, I can't imagine that that was planned, and I can't imagine that felt good, but walked off under her own power, apparently said she's fine backstage. She was on uh, NXT last night, I guess, so props to her for that. Um... Do want to hit a couple quick NXT notes from recent episodes? Uh, Matt Riddle is being called up to SmackDown. Um, I'm guessing the opinions on that are going to be kind of uh, 50-50. Hell of a wrestler. Uh, looks like a million bucks. Should be a guy that Vince absolutely loves, but God knows the NXT call-ups of late have not been uh, hits, to say the least. So we'll see what Vince does with him. Um I kind of think his future's bright because Vince, if nothing else, loves a guy with a big set of balls, and Matt Riddle's got bigger balls than most. Uh, so thinking he'll fit in right, or fit in well, I should say. Um, we also had uh, the debut, or I shouldn't say the debut, but the reveal, um, the final, the finale of the uh, people getting kidnapped in the NXT parking lot saga. We had Joaquin Wild, we had Raul Mendoza getting both kidnapped by masked luchadors uh, over the course of a couple months, and those same luchadors attempting to uh, kidnap Hijo del Fantasma, who had fought them off. They played a role in the uh, Cruiserweight Tag Tourney finale with Drake Maverick. Um, And then uh, after this most recent episode of NXT um, Maverick who was uh, given a, a new NXT contract uh, after uh, losing the title match 
uh, came out to congratulate Phantasma, who'd been a face up to this point, um, had really not spoken a word of English and kept the mask on. It was very much scary, typical luchador. Uh, was then attacked by uh, Phantasma and the two masked luchadors who revealed themselves to be Raul Mendoza and Joaquin Wilde. And uh, seeing uh, Phantasma take his mask off and declare that his name is, and I quote, Santos Escobar, which, great fucking name. I believe his promo was simply this, I am Santos Escobar, I am the NXT Cruiserweight Champion, and no one can touch me. Uh, culminating in a double splash onto the baby face of all baby faces in Drake Maverick. Great heel turn, great reveal. I am stoked for it, uh, and I will get more into him in just a second. There's a little teaser for the rest of the show. Um, but cool reveal. Um, look to see where they're going forward with this. They already have a bit of a stable built up. I wouldn't honestly have any issues with seeing the uh, Undisputed Era turn face and fight against the cartel. Sure, why not? And uh, let's also admit that that name, Santos Escobar, two great references. One being, obviously, El Santo, uh, the luchador of all luchadors. And two, if you want a villainous Hispanic name, it's hard to top Pablo Escobar. (laughs) You know, the cartel guy. So harder to top that. If they want to run this like an actual, like, villainous luchador organization cartel i'm for it i'm i'm absolutely give me a villainous lwo i'm in sure why not um i'm excited to see uh raul mendoza who's had some chances to shine on nxt it's had some great matches and some great uh moments actually getting a chance to have a little bit more spotlight on him as a as a focused on piece uh walking wild uh, formerly DJZ or formerly uh, Zima Ion from Impact. Um, great story. If you haven't had a chance to go and check his history in the past, he's had some life-threatening issues in the past. Good to see him getting a, a real shot on NXT now, uh, assuming this is where they're going with it. So cool things ahead. Uh, we also had, uh, like I mentioned, Karrion Cross um, sending a message, quote-unquote, to Adam Cole. Um, and it looks like we're still getting either a continuation of the Gargano-Keith Lee feud or a lead-in to Prince, uh, Prince uh, Finn Balor versus Keith Lee for the uh, North American title. Um, Imperium is still the NXT champions. Um, might be getting a challenge from Brizongo, which is just odd. But, eh, I'm here for it. NXT gets the benefit of a doubt for me almost every time. They've had enough time to build up goodwill and trust. Um, touching really quick on AEW. Not quite as much, considering they just came off of a pay-per-view, so they're just kind of revving up things now, or starting to rev things up. You have Moxley feuding with uh, Brian Cage. We're going to be getting Fighter Fest as a two-night live event on TNT rather than uh, an actual pay-per-view. So that should be coming up. I'm not sure how soon, but very soon. Um, Moxley versus The Machine will be the main event, I'm assuming. Um Cody has been having a couple nice weeks as the TNT champion, really establishing itself as a fighting champion. I like that they're using this as a television title, that they are opening challenging week for week. Um, Had a nice match with Jungle Boy last week and a great match with Mark Quinn this week. Um, Kind of hoping that they're going along the lines that I'd hoped for when 
Uh, Cody won the belt, and that is getting a chance to put over and really build up some of the younger guys and some of the guys that really haven't had a chance to shine as much on their own or our newer names. And Jungle Boy and Mark Quinn, both great examples of that. So hopefully that's what we're seeing more of. Uh, it looks like uh, he's moving on from that to Hager, which is not exactly an unknown name at this point. But it gets Cody a big guy to fight against, and that's something he does well. Um, I would like to see Cody go two matches in a row without bleeding, but we'll take that for what it is. He had an obvious bleeding moment against uh, Jungle Boy that was completely unnecessary coming off of uh, bleeding against, uh, uh, I guess I can't remember if he bled against uh, uh, Murderhawk or not, but my memory is completely shot. Um, but Cody's doing a good job as a fighting champion. I'll give benefit of a doubt. He should be able to get a good match out of Hager. I'll take it. Um, you have Orange Cassidy feuding with Jericho, which I never really, you know, a year ago thought I would see. But, hell, I'm for it now. Even though, uh, even though it did lead to a kind of a cringy, maybe needing to rein Jericho in creatively a little bit moment last night on Dynamite where they bludgeoned him with a bag of oranges and then made the oh-so-punny comment that Orange had just been juiced and multiple comments about blood oranges, which, yeah, funny funny once, but they really kind of overdid it just a little bit. Um, funny, but not the best of punny humor, and uh, the feud's going to be fine. I'm excited to see the match, just not the best beat for it. Um, the other big, uh, storyline for Dar or for AEW was, uh, the debut of FTR a couple weeks back, uh, actually the night after, uh, or the show after, uh, Double or Nothing, uh, we get the debut of FTR, not the revolt, not fear of the revolt, just FTR, uh, they finally had their debut match last night against Butcher and the Blade, great match, but... Let's be honest here. We know that they're capable of having great matches. That's why we were excited to see them in AEW in the first place. Um, nice to see Butcher and Blade actually having a competitive match. Uh, looked really good. But, again, we know damn well that FTR, that those two guys can make anybody look like a million bucks in the ring with them. That's why they are who they are. So, great match. Uh, of note, they've changed the name of their two finishers. and I do say two now. Uh, they hit the former Shatter Machine, which is now known as the Goodnight Express, uh, and finish the match actually with a uh, top rope jumping you know, spike pile driver, uh, which I, I guess they're calling the Mind Breaker, the Mind Breaker, um, which, in one sense, neither of them really kind of fit into a gimmick. Like it doesn't, it doesn't really like the Mind Breaker doesn't really seem like it makes sense thematically to me however we think about it a little bit more mind breaker brain buster they're patterning themselves after the brain busters maybe a little too clever by half but i'll take it i do love the goodnight express i love that name as uh as the shatter machine i guess wwe got the rights to shatter machine back um or kept them i'm not sure but uh the goodnight express is a not only it's a great finisher name but it's a nice um Homage to the Rock and Roll Express, to the Midnight Express, their old school roots. I like it. It fits well with them. Um, I dig them driving up in the old school truck, the old square body. 
Um, that said, they're only going to be able to do that in certain arenas, so get your mileage out of it now. Um, still do not like the name Dax Harwood. I can't help it, but I'll get used to it, I'm sure. Um, that's really AEW at the moment. Um, Sheeta is still the women's champ. Kenny and uh, Hangman are still the tag champions. Uh, I believe we're getting a tag match or tag title match between them and um, the Superbad Death Squad, which is Jimmy Havoc and Kip Sabian, I think next week. Um, and I do believe that uh, Best Friends has a title shot in the wings somewhere. So that we will be seeing that in the future. It looks like we're getting Penelope Ford versus uh, Nyla, or not Nyla Rose, versus uh, Hikaru Shida coming up. Um it's possibly the next title feud for Sheeta, which makes sense because she's feuded with every other heel on the roster and Britt Baker's hurt. Um, quick aside to Britt, she has been wonderful <laughs> still being on screen, um, even while injured. Uh, the role model and the Rolls Royce, the wheelchair, the uh, whodunit mystery, great stuff. She's actually doing very well as a heel character, as this delusional shithead role model heel character has been very very nice she's beating the hell out of bailey's quote-unquote role model which is kind of nice to see as well um but that's really AEW in a nutshell um kind of in a weird spot really with all things wrestling we're just coming off an nxt pay-per-view just coming off a little further removed but just coming off uh double or nothing for AEW, leading into uh what i'm calling the greatest wrestling match ever backlash the whole pay-per-view name um, which I don't really know that anyone's actually really all that excited about. I honestly, I think it's this weekend. I have to remind myself that it's this weekend, otherwise I'll probably forget it's on. And that's saying something for me. Um, but like I mentioned, WWE's really just been a chore to watch of late. Main roster. NXT still gets the benefit of a doubt. AEW's still fun to watch. Uh, the Shine hasn't come off of that yet. But, uh they really need to figure out some way to make WWE creatively more interesting because it's really becoming a slog. Um, so that's all the headlines, really. That's the headlines rundown of the takeover, kind of current events in WWE and AEW and the wrestling at large. I do know we are getting back closer to seeing some new wrestling coming around. Um, Impact is uh, going to be taping new shows. They have Slammiversary coming up. They're actually teasing uh, the debuts of a lot of possibly former WWE people now. Uh, we've had hints at uh, the Canellises. We've had hints at EC3. We've had hints at Eric Young. We've had hints at Heath Slater. Um, so we could be seeing any of the above at Slammiversary. Um, we've also had an announcement from New Japan that they're going to be uh, starting back up here within the next couple of weeks. So we will have brand spanking new, um, I guess, audience-free, I do believe, uh, content from New Japan in the near future. Within the next couple of weeks, I do think. Um, I think they're starting with the New Japan Cup, which looks like a kind of a rehash of what they were going to with the uh, Super J Cup earlier in the year. So uh, just happy to see some new content there. Hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed, the return to sports and the return to New Japan is kind of a signpost that we'll see the return of independent wrestling in the near future. Um, I know I'm Jones and for some, and I know a lot of people else who are. 
And I know a lot of wrestlers out there that really could use a bone thrown their way and uh, a chance to get back to doing what they love to do. So fingers crossed that we're going to see the return of indie wrestling soon as well. Um, so looking to the future, I want to turn back to the past a little bit. Um, I mentioned that I had a something to watch. And I mentioned this on the show a couple times before. Uh, and really, I'm only going to do this tonight because of my chance to really talk at length on my own. Um, Nate hasn't had a chance to watch it, but I want to talk a little bit about Lucha Underground. Uh, I've made a, a point of referencing it in the past uh, on episodes and talking about how much I enjoyed it, but never really wanted to get too much into it because I didn't want to spoil anything for Nate and didn't want to get into talking too much about something he hadn't seen. So I thought, well, I've got the show myself tonight. I want to talk a little bit about it uh, and give a little bit of good news. Um, I misspoke uh, last time I'd mentioned Lucha Underground. misspoke a couple of weeks back or a couple of shows back. Uh, they used to run on uh, Netflix. They had, uh, I think it was the first two or three seasons of Lucha Underground. There was only four seasons in total. Uh, they had the first couple on Netflix. Uh, that doesn't appear to be the case anymore. Uh, doing some digging around, I was a little disheartened because the only place I could find it initially was on iTunes or on Amazon Prime, which, I mean, glad to see it's even available, but you had to pay per episode. And uh, paying per episode for four seasons of a show is not exactly something you want to do. I, I can't fault anybody for not doing that. Um, I know Amazon's running full seasons for like 35 bucks a pop. And even as much as I like Lucha Underground, I don't know that I really want to pay... 200 bucks for uh, or 150 bucks for four seasons overall so a little disheartened to see that and really kind of well thinking man I'd love to suggest things from this but it's hard to hard to suggest things when you know most of the people aren't going to really either want to watch it or have a chance to watch it but then I got a tip off uh, if you've heard of an app called Tubi T-U-B-I it is a free streaming service kind of like a, a Hulu that has commercials involved, but uh, it is a free streaming service, kind of as an alternative to Netflix, free to sign up for. Uh, if you sign up for it, they do have all four seasons of Lucha Underground for free. So if you haven't had a chance to watch Lucha Underground, now you actually have an opportunity to. All you got to do is sign up for Tubi. Um, matter of fact, that's probably what I'm going to be doing tonight once I finish the show. I haven't watched some of the older episodes in quite a while, so I'm looking forward to going back. I plan on rewatching the whole series. Um, but now that that's available, now that I know that everybody has a chance to actually find it if you really want to, I wanted to go into why it's so much fun to watch and what made Lucha Underground such a good show and such an interesting thing, um, especially right now when things are a bit different. Uh, wrestling is a bit different, so why not watch a wrestling show that's a bit different? Um, and for those of you who don't know much about it, Lucha Underground is, it was, it ran on the, uh, on the uh, El Rey Network, which is Robert Rodriguez's channel, and wasn't so much a wrestling show. It wasn't a wrestling show like you're used to watching WWE or used to watching AEW, where it is literally just matches run. This was a show, a, almost produced like a television show, with backstage and outside the ring and vignettes and things that didn't need, didn't have an outside interviewer. 
wasn't your standard backstage stuff, but actually following people around backstage, presented like a TV show that just happened to be about a wrestling promotion. So you saw the promotion of things. You saw how things were advertised. You saw what the characters were doing in their downtime. You saw what they were doing as they were getting ready or outside of the ring or in their street clothes. There weren't microphones shoved in their face. This is just them acting. And they filmed it like a regular TV show. So it lent kind of a uh, a bit of an underground vibe to it already, a different feel to it already. Uh, and really the show is about an underground supposedly underground fighting promotion out of Ball Heights in Los Angeles um, with a heavy uh, Lucha Libre feel to it. And to say that they leaned into kayfabe is a bit of an understatement. Uh, They embraced it full on. There was no distinction between real life and kayfabe. Um, You had masks that only came off for mask versus mask matches. You had people that acknowledged that. You have people playing different characters than what you're used to seeing. Uh, to wit, the main character, uh, really the face character of Lucha Underground, the, the protagonist through most of all four seasons, uh, we now know as Ricochet, but uh, throughout Lucha Underground performed under a mask as Prince Puma and really didn't even utter a single word for most of three seasons. Um, this is... There was a heavy element of mysticism. Uh, They referenced the ancient Aztec tribes and gods. Uh, We had sacrifices. We had people, literally, we had characters that not just got wrote off, but died. We had multiple characters killed on screen, including main characters. Um, Innovative matches. uh, Blood, guts, the like. And really interesting storylines. Um, there's a lot of things. I'm going to go through the list here in a moment. There's some wrestlers now that you can watch on current promotions that kind of got their start. Or I shouldn't say got their start, but kind of developed their characters or developed their work in Lucha Underground. Um, names you might see now, definitely. And... It's a real treat to go back and watch some of these folks that you recognize now or you recognize from the past completely in different characters or different takes on existing characters uh, and matchups you're not going to see anyplace else now. Um, it's really interesting to see some of the matchups that you got because on one hand you could see some that they could reenact in WWE today or some matches that you'll never see because they're cross-promotional now. Uh, you see legends that will never be in the ring again. Um, and let me let me run down the list really quickly. If you want to talk recognizable names, and this is an extensive list, but these are all wrestlers that had even a bit to do with Lucha Underground. Some some as you know bit players, some as full time on screen roles, some as major characters. But think about a promotion involving all these characters and people that you've seen over the years. If you liked them in AEW, go back and watch Lucha Underground. If you liked them in WCW, go back and watch them in Lucha Underground. If you liked them in AAA, CMLL, New Japan, your local indie scene, Beyond, Evolve. Hell, if you like seeing them in PWG, go watch Lucha Underground. You're going to find them there too. 
Uh, so this list I'm going to go through. I'll start with just the indie names. Well, actually, let's start with the WCW. WCW and WWE names, the bigger names. The names you're going to see on WWE programming now or have seen on WWE programming. John Morrison, Ricochet, Matt Stryker, and Vampiro were the two color commentators. Vampiro had a few matches. Uh, Ijo Del Fantasma was uh, King Cuerno in Lucha Underground. It's where he got most of his notoriety in the States. Really, it's what brought him to WWE. Rey Mysterio, Justin Gabriel, Isaiah Swerve Scott, then wrestling his kill shot. Uh, Chavo Guerrero, Paul London, Ezekiel Jackson, Conan, Alberto Del Rio, Davari, Killer Cross, uh, now wrestling at least carrying Cross, Chelsea Green. Um, in one night, Io Shirai and Kyrie Sane in one of their best. Uh, names from AEW, Pentagon, uh, Ray Phoenix. That was the first time I'd ever seen Phoenix. Jack Evans and Helico. And Helico really got his notoriety from a couple major spots there. Uh, Rick Knox, the referee. Uh, Brian Cage is about to get an AEW title match. He was a mainstay in, in, in Lucha Underground. Luchasaurus, after his brief stint in WWE and NXT, went and really honed his Luchasaurus character in... Lucha Underground, Jake Hager uh, performing as Jake Strong, uh, Sonny Kiss as a character named Exolicious, uh, Sammy Guevara, actually that was the first time I'd seen Sonny Kiss was on Lucha Underground, uh, Sammy Guevara had a bit part, um, looking back into the indies, Jeff Cobb, Tejano, uh, who's a major CMLL AAA guy, A.R. Fox, who's an indie legend, uh, Dr. Wagner Jr., cheerleader Melissa, Thunder Rosa, now the NWA uh, gal, uh, Aerostar's another AAA guy. Uh, Blue Demon Jr. is a legend in Lucha Libre. Uh, Mayo Iwatani, who is a major role in stardom and, and Japanese pro wrestling, was a major player there. Um, so huge names and people you would never think to see uh, getting to do interesting characters, getting to do different things, um, and really having some great matches. Uh, and you'll find some other names that you may not see in those major programming now. Martin Casas wrestling as Marty the, Mar- Marty the Moth Martinez. Uh, Drago, who you might see on MLW here and there. Uh, Aerostar. Uh, Arhenis. Um, I'm probably leaving people out. Uh, and really, some just great, crazy-ass matches. Pentagon Jr. and Vampiro in the main event of the very first, uh, their answer to WrestleMania was called Ultima Lucha. Uh, the very first Ultima Lucha, the main event, was Pentagon Jr. and Vampiro in a death match. Straight up death match. We have one of the best uh, three stages of hell matches I've ever seen between A.R. Fox and Isaiah Scott. Something I mentioned on the very first episode of uh, J.I.W. that I got to be on. Um... You also got to see uh, a gal named Sexy Star uh, with cheerleader Melissa in one of the best I Quit matches I've ever watched. Uh, Johnny Mundo, or John Morrison, and Ricochet have fantastic chemistry, and I hope to God we could see them face off in WWE someday. 
Uh, Matt Stryker and Vampiro were a hell of a good commentary team as well. Um, my first uh, witness of Jeff Cobb was as the monster Matanza Cueto. Um, all really cool things, really cool storylines. Um, Nil Muertes, somebody I haven't touched on, one of my favorites. Um, pretty well stayed in Mexico since then. Was a bit player in Impact uh, a while ago, a long time ago. Uh, but was one of the big bads and one of the more convincing people uh, in Lucha Underground, and he's virtually an unknown. Um, basically, their Undertaker. Great character. Uh, very supernatural type stuff. Um, for God's sake, one of the major angles throughout the later seasons was a massive metal gauntlet that housed the power of the gods. They had the freaking Infinity Gauntlet kayfabed in, into Lucha Underground, essentially. And if that's not enough to sell you on it, the glue that held the whole show together wasn't even a wrestler. Very rarely, I don't, I, to my knowledge, I'm not sure if he ever took a bump. I can't remember if he did or not. But an actor playing the role of Dario Cueto, who is hands down the best authority figure, in my opinion, you've ever seen in wrestling. The authority, Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon's great. Don't get me wrong. I love Vince as an authority figure. But he didn't have half the charisma that Dario Cueto did. And I'll, I'll back that up. Dario Cueto was one of the most fun people to watch. And all he was was a fight promoter. He was the slime ball that ran the show. That ran an underground fighting ring, essentially. And... I, I can't sell enough how cool the show was. It's ahead of its time in the cinematic style. It's ahead of its time in its presentation. Um, a great cast of characters and a great cast of wrestlers. And a lot of fun. Four seasons of just unbridled fun. And if it were on today, I would say it's right up there with AEW and with NXT as the most fun thing to watch in professional wrestling. I love me some Beyond, I love me some AEW, I love me some NXT, and I love me some freaking Lucha Underground. So, go on Tubi. If you get a chance, you got some free time to kill. Go on Tubi, T-U-B-I. Download the app. It's free. And watch you some Lucha Underground. Grab you some popcorn. Watch it like you would a B-movie. And just have fun watching wrestling again. You're not going to find that with WWE right now, other than NXT. Have fun watching wrestling. If you take nothing away from this episode and my train wreck of me going through it and rambling on about random things, we're getting on to an hour 20 and I didn't think this was going to be this long of an episode. But if you take nothing else away from this, go watch Who's Underground. It's at your fingertips. It's free. And it will be some of the most fun you've had watching professional wrestling. So, that being said, I'll get off my soapbox. I'll stop, uh, stop pulling at your ear and let you get on with your lives. Hopefully everybody is safe, sound, sane. Um, I've said wash your damn hands, but I'm going to amend it today. Wash your damn hands, take care of each other. I'm not going to get political tonight, but take care of each other. Take care of yourselves. Take care of the people around you. Go have some fun. Watch wrestling. Enjoy yourselves. Um, don't forget to check out our other... Other shows on the Journey into Comics Network. I know GIC 300 is coming up very soon. 
I don't know if Nate's really gotten to promote that too much, but I know it'll be a fun show. Um, check out Per360. Check out Podcastrophy, the OGs, the D-List. I do believe Bruce with Dudes made its triumphant return recently. Uh, Canna Culture's still going strong. There's always good content on the Journey into Comics Network. Um, you can check us out on Stitcher, Podbean, iTunes, Apple Music, uh, Spotify. I believe we're still up on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter. You can follow us on uh, on Twitter at JIW on JIC. Uh, you can check us out on Facebook. I do try to update both as often as I can. Um, and as always, have on a, if you ever want to tweet at us, go right ahead. I'd be happy to talk wrestling with anybody that wants to come on. Uh, I'm usually trying to live tweet the shows. Uh, at the very least, the WWE shows, because it provides a welcome distraction to the garbage that I'm seeing on TV. But feel free to have a conversation. Jump on in anytime. Um, that's going to do it for me. This has been uh, GIW Season 4, Journey to Wrestling Season 4, Episode 19. Eh, fuck it. Let's just go with what WWE is. Let's just call it Charlotte Uberalis. Um I've been Buckles. Nate will be back next episode. We will talk to you guys soon.